It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What we need. Is more common sense. More common sense. You've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where is talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. Hey, hey. You know what I forgot to do? I was going to, doggone it, I was going to do this before we went on today so I could report back to you as to whether or not it was uh, really, you know, uh, obtrusive or difficult to get through or whatever. I was going to go on the Harris County website and I was going to try to register to get the vaccine. And I I didn't remember to the last minute. And when I, when I you know, and I didn't remember the site off the top of my head. So, of course, I I did what I always do. I Googled it. And the story comes up. Harris County COVID-19 vaccine wait list under maintenance after launching. Huh? Under maintenance after just launching. Within half an hour of launching for all Harris County residents, some users of the COVID-19 vaccine wait list uh, were met with a dreaded error message. Site is under maintenance. The county launched the new registration system at noon today, hoping to simplify a process that has proven to be difficult across the country. You can get to it through the Ready Harris website. That's where you have to go. However, multiple attempts through browsers like Safari and Chrome encountered the error message. I also got a message. I did get on long enough where it said that I I couldn't access it through Internet Explorer. (laughs) So... Hang on, if you're getting an error message on Chrome and you can't access it through Internet Explorer, that might be a problem. Um, County tweeted, if you see an error message, our site is temporarily down due to technical difficulties. (laughs) We apologize for the inconvenience. Thank you for your patience. And what a way to launch, huh? By the way, there's a hotline number you can call to get on the list. 832-927-8787. 832-927-8787. I have no idea how long you got to wait in line. But something tells me the streamlined system is not exactly working right now the way it's supposed to. So, uh, are you surprised? Yeah, no, me neither. No surprise whatsoever. More executive orders today. You heard Kenny talking about the executive orders. We'll, we'll, we'll carve away a little time to do that later in the show. One of the things... That 46 announced today is that the U.S. government is going to replace its entire fleet with all electric vehicles. That includes mail delivery trucks, United States Postal Service. I'd be first to tell you, if we're going to spend some money on government vehicles, I have to think the Postal Service, not that the Postal Service is one of my favorite things, 
But I would have to think that if, if anybody that drives a government vehicle for their job really should drive a government vehicle for the job and should have something reliable, I would think it would be the United States Postal Service. Have you seen some of these things they've got on the road these days? It's pretty clear they have not spent money on vehicles at the USPS in a long, long time. Long, long time. I don't know if that has anything to do with their woeful delivery record, but it can't be helping. So 46 says he intends to replace all delivery trucks, all military vehicles, and passenger cars with electric. Hang on. He wants to go electric on military vehicles? We're not talking about electric tanks, right? I mean, I haven't gotten specific here. He he shared the plan as part of a press conference detailing his Buy American executive order. Man, this dude is loving his executive orders, isn't he? He says it's going to be the largest mobilization of public investment in procurement, infrastructure, and R&D since World War II. By the way, because I don't know if he's going to replace literally every, he says he is, every single vehicle in the government fleet. Would you care to take a guess how many cars and trucks and vehicles we're talking about here? The total U.S. government fleet of vehicles. You ready? Okay, here we go. Sitting down? Okay. 600 45,000. And he's talking about replacing every one of them with electric. I don't know over what period of time, nor do I know what it's going to cost. But I do know that, minimally speaking, you're looking at probably $36,000-$37,000 for an electric car. And that's a small one. I'm guessing... If you're going to be building, if somebody's going to be building electric uh, um, delivery vehicles for the USPS, they're probably going to cost, what are you thinking, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 apiece? Probably. Even if they're in the same configuration as what they are now. And by the way, here's, here's the big question I have. Where are they going to recharge all these vehicles? Are, at the same time they're procuring the, the vehicles, are they going to be procuring the charging stations? If I got a guy out on a mail route and he's 30 miles away from the branch and his charge is getting low, where is he supposed to go to plug in? And if he's not done with his route, <laughs> what happens to the mail delivery for the day? I, I mean... On one hand, I understand he's trying to sound like, hey, this look at this is a big deal. We're going to go all electric. We're getting rid of the gas pump here. But the answers to the obvious questions have yet to be answered, which is whether or not you can actually get the job done going electric, whether or not you can actually, the hell with saving money, if you can even break even doing it, if you can generate enough power to charge up these vehicles, if you can have enough charging stations for them to plug into. 
You know, for the green crowd, it just sounds wonderful. This is wonderful. Let's go all electric and cut our emissions. Okay, you're going to cut emissions. I'll grant you that. Well, you're going to cut emissions from vehicles. I don't know if you ultimately cut emissions from power plants. You know, we don't have enough power here in our great state of Texas on any given day in the summer months to necessarily power everybody who needs AC. How are you going to power all these electric vehicles? All right, quick little break. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Barrett Show, AM 950 KPRC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, do as I say, not as I do. That is, that is the mantra. Of the liberal. You know, my, my dad used to say that. My dad was not a liberal, though. See, that used to be a conservative mantra. Do as I say, not as I do. Is something a father would say to his son or to his daughter. One of his children. You know? Which means, I don't want you going out drinking with your friends. But dad, I bet you used to do it. I do as I say, not as I do. Which never made any sense. Guess what? It was a poor argument as a parent. And it's a poor counterattack for a liberal. But they seem to be, if not saying it, at least they are practicing it right now. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. Portland's had a lot of problems. Just like Seattle has had its fair share of problems. But Portland in particular, Portland, Oregon, has had a lot of Antifa. I, I still call it Antifa. I know a lot of people call it Antifa, whatever. Same place, same people. They've had a lot of problems with, you know, anarchists. Tearing up the town, burning up the town, occupying places in the town. Nobody wants to do anything about it. And um, like everywhere else in in the Northwest, they are also very much involved in locking things down for COVID-19. Well, Portland is one of those places. Um, Portland is one of those places where you're not supposed to be eating indoors. And you certainly are not supposed to be anywhere without a mask on. Certainly, you're not supposed to be without a mask at a restaurant. Well, evidently, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler was eating at a restaurant. He was at a place called... Mackamans Hillsdale Brewery and Public House, where he was meeting with former Portland Mayor Sam Adams. You know, like the beer? At one point, a man approached the two with a camera, uh, began harassing them over 
COVID restrictions, and other matters. Adams took an audio recording of the exchange as Wheeler and the man argued about whether the mayor violated social distancing guidelines by not wearing a mask at the restaurant. While it isn't captured very well on the recording, police report from the incident says Wheeler was sitting in a tented area. He told the man, COVID regulations allow people to take off their mask while eating and drinking. Uh, he and the man continued to quarrel over social distancing. The man is heard saying, I've got a picture of you. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. The man was also heard saying, thanks for ruining the city. And shortly after, he exclaimed, you just, well, here's what happened. Evidently, the guy harassing the mayor followed him to his car, harassing him all the way, at which point um, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, pulled out pepper spray and let him have it. And then threw a bottle of water in his face. Because evidently he was clearly tired of being harassed. Um, on the actual videotape, which again, it's really hard to understand, after saying, thanks for ruining the city, and after he got pepper sprayed, he said, you just pepper spray me for no reason at all. At that point, the former mayor, Adams, was heard telling the man, actually I was here, and you were like a foot from him. He asked you to back away. You didn't. The man then claimed, the mayor has just thrown something at me. That was the bottle of water I was referring to. Uh, mayor Wheeler told police he was worried about contracting the coronavirus <laughs> since the man was allegedly maskless when he got up close to the mayor. I pepper sprayed him because he was going to give me COVID. No, you pepper sprayed him because he was harassing you. He said, the mayor said, I clearly informed him he needed to back off. He did not do so, so I informed him that I was carrying pepper spray and that I would use it if he did not back off. He remained at close distance. I pulled out my pepper spray and I sprayed him in the eyes. There you go. That's what, kind of what we got to with the whole COVID thing at this point. We're pretty much pretty much over it, pretty much done with it. Uh, we're pretty much at the point where we want to um, we want to harass politicians who try to put these measures on us. I have to admit, you know, if 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 I were to see um, Judge Hildago on the street, I would be hard pressed not to walk in her direction and want to say something. But I think that the uh, the smarter part of me would say, no, that probably wouldn't be a wise idea. You know, strange guy walking up towards, you know, a petite young woman who happens to be the judge of Harris County. And, I mean, I can see where that would be maybe seen as being uh, aggressive in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing this. But, again, you know, you when, when you run for public office, you kind of put yourself in that position. And, and when you make policies... And the public, for whatever reason, doesn't think you're necessarily following them. They're going to call you on it. Like they've called Gavin Newsom in California. This guy has over a million names on a petition to recall him. And if you don't think he's worried about it, do we think for one second there's a coincidence that all of a sudden he's he's ending the lockdown in Southern California, all of a sudden he's getting ready 
to go back to the rules before he started locking things back down again? I don't think it's because they've had major improvement in the numbers in California. I think it's got more to do with the timing. Clearly, the one thing, the reason why you pull out the hammer and you make the threats and you get tough with people is because sometimes that's the only thing that works. It appears that's the only thing that works with liberals. It's the only thing that worked with this poor doctor at Harris County Health Services who got fired for giving out nine doses of the COVID vaccine to his wife and and eight other people because it was about ready to expire and he didn't want to throw it out. He didn't want it to go to waste. And they made this big deal. The same people who let criminals out on the streets made a big deal about him stealing the vaccine. Which he didn't do. He didn't steal it. And by the way, how do you steal something that's provided for free? Did Harris County pay for the vaccine? No. It was provided to them by the by the state government, who was provided to them by the federal government. You're going to make the claim that he was stealing from the federal government? And, and by the way, rather than just go ahead and say, you know what, I completely screwed up, D.A. Kim Og instead says there's going to be a grand jury. We'll get to the bottom of these charges, whether or not there needs to be charges. Rather than saying, we made a mistake in just calling the whole thing off, we're going to go through the, the motion of a grand jury on this. Unbelievable. But this happens a day after Michael Berry on KTRH talked to his attorney, the doctor's attorney. Raising a stink. Getting some action. It's the only thing that works. And the thing I think that most of these politicians are counting on is that at some point you just give up. You just you give up worrying about your personal freedoms. You give up you give up worrying about getting your normal life back. You just you just go along to get along. And you know what? Plenty of people do. Plenty of people do. Unfortunately, it's usually the people who overreact who are the ones that actually do react, but I guess give them credit for something. Give the guy in Portland credit. He may not have been 100% correct with what he was doing, but he was willing to call the mayor out. Most of us wouldn't do it. Most of us would be afraid of what might happen to us if we did. So again, I think we have to give credit. Hey, speaking of uh, Harris County, by the way, uh, Precinct 3 Commissioner Tom Ramsey coming up in a couple of minutes. You know, I was just talking about the DA's office and and some of these more liberal judges in Harris County letting felons loose. You hear about the last latest guy they let loose? This guy has multiple felony convictions. He's he's fresh out of prison, and they let him out of jail. He he got busted for carrying a firearm. He's a convicted felon. He's not supposed to have it. They let him out, and he's been accused of raping a 16-year-old. Crime rate in Harris County continues to rise. We'll talk to Commissioner Ramsey about that next year on AM 950 KPRC. You know, I get so tired of talking about this. It, it, just, it just makes me angry that uh, we keep letting these felons out. The latest one 
is particularly heinous. Here's a guy who um, he he's he's been in prison. I think he has three felony convictions. I'm working from memory on this one from from earlier today. Um, he was accused of he was he was out um, on a gun violation, no bond, out on a gun violation, somehow used the same gun and has been accused of raping a 16-year-old, holding her at gunpoint, and raping her repeatedly. And it's one of the more heinous cases we've seen, but we've had plenty of people who have been killed in Harris County that likely would not have been killed if we didn't have this low-bond, no-bond, personal recognizance things going on right now. Joining us to talk about Harris County, Precinct 3 Commissioner Tom Ramsey. You know, I've seen a lot of these cases, Tom. I think this latest one might be the most heinous one I've seen. Yeah, Jamie, it's just it's just horrible, and uh, it's it's unacceptable, and we need to do what we're doing right here. Talk about it because we don't if we don't identify the issue. You know, this is a clear example of a policy, a well-intended policy, that's ended up killing ninety people in Harris County. So uh, uh, this has got to stop. Uh, crime is going through the roof, uh, Jimmy. Just in domestic crime in Precinct 3, which is western Harris County, essentially, it's up 77%. That's just, wow. that's, that is, that's just not, not anything. Rape is up 150% in Precinct 3. Right now, oh, one year, one year. So, you know when you precinct, talk, you, you, you think of precinct three and precinct four, for example, in Harris County, and you know it, those are the suburbs. That's you know that that's where families live. These are these are areas. I live in precinct four myself. These are areas that um, I, I think a lot of people probably look at and say, "Well, they probably what do they have a, a couple of car break-ins every now and again?" Not anymore. It's gotten a lot worse. No. That's right. Homicides are up forty-one percent uh, in precinct three. So uh, we need to do more than just talk about it. We need to change how we do. We talk about COVID crisis. We talk about economic crisis. But I'm here telling you, we've got a crime crisis in Harris County, and we better get everybody that's 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 a participant in here too. <clears throat> to engage. Do we have, if, if you had to isolate the issue, how much of the issue are some of the more liberal judges that have been elected in Harris County, and how much of the issue is the DA's office? I, I you know, the DA, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily start there. Uh, I know today, I think the DA agreed to vet, uh, some people that are in the jail that might be possible candidates to be released. And, you know, they were, they were looking at over 1500 and, and she identified as 60 as possible. And that course that needs to go to court. So I, I don't know that I would start with, uh, with the DA. I, I would say this, that when people don't focus on uh, whether it's, whether it's uh, 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 any of our law enforcement folks out here, they're just scrambling. They, they're under-resourced. Uh, 
to me that's the that's the source of the of the problem when you when you apply a lot of resources and I see a lot of resources being applied to many different uh, areas of concern I just don't see that many resources being thrown at uh, focused on crime it's always some other uh, and not that these are bad things, Jimmy. These are, you know, homelessness is a problem. We need to deal with it. And and other things that are happened during the pandemic is a problem. But my glory, I can't think of anything more significant that's happening in Harris County right now than the crime rate and what it's doing and where that is going. Do your fellow commissioners feel the same way you do or or not? Are you are you kind of finding a minority viewpoint on this? I am I am there is always the discussion. We're we're I'm in commissioner's court right now. So I stepped out. <laughs> we're visiting. Appreciate you doing that. So we're we're having we're having the, a discussion on um uh, uh, justice and safety that's a that's kind of a goal within the budget and i see well i see a lot of resources and this was a quote of me earlier i said i see a lot of effort being put into the being sure the justice is right that we we don't do things in terms of locking up people that shouldn't be locked up but i see zero happening someone help me here where is the resources and and frankly we're we're struggling with that. Uh, I, you know, you use a, the what's being used is well, Tom. There's so much. There's only so much money in the budget. I said okay. I understand that. I, I, and you right. know what? I, I get that. I get that part of it. But but also by the same token, and, and I think you would agree with me, Tom, that you know any any county um, has a priority list. What are what are the core services? that the government yep. is expected to provide and public safety is the number one core service so if we're spending yes, a lot of money on things I, they may be helping some people and i get that but if we're pen- spending money on things that don't save lives at it in in and lives are being lost as a result that needs to change yeah i i, I said earlier today uh on your this morning when we talked uh uh Crime does not discriminate, but it sure does segregate. Yeah, and when we're having all these discussions on social justice and, and the tensions that are there, crime is the is is a big driver in terms of of some of these underserved neighborhoods. I worry. I actually worry about the single mom with two children that's going to go to bed tonight in an underserved neighborhood. She's literally scared to death. And we don't, we don't, we're not concerned about her. We're more concerned about somebody locked up in the jail because they committed a crime. I'm more concerned about those families that are having to live in crime-riddled neighborhoods, and we're not doing anything about it. That's just not America. Well, and I think here's here here's the thing that um, you know the end result. For any for any government is is very simply this: if things become too dangerous in a specific area, those who can afford to leave will leave. Yes, and right. I think we've we've seen that's, this to a certain extent. That's the segregation. That's a segregation. Yeah, that's, that's right. You're absolutely right. People 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 segregate themselves all the time in the name of safety, and those who can afford to leave 
will leave. And, and, right. and that's what life was like in our major cities in the 70s and the 80s, is the, and, and, and to a certain extent the, the latter half of the 1960s, is cities became very dangerous places to live. And people fled to the suburbs like nobody's business. Well, in the last 10 years in particular, cities like Houston have enjoyed a real resurgence of, of, of people who want to move, you know, empty nesters moving back to the city, people without children moving back to the city. And, 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 and those are all great things. But at some point, people are going to say, I, I can't do that. It's not safe to be here. Right. And guess what? The criminals know when you're not really going to prosecute them. The criminals know when someone's not taking charges. They're not. They they have figured this out. So they go and they, they do their bad things because they know there's no accounting. There's no accountability for what they're doing. Well, I think that that's the part I know that is maybe the most frustrating thing to the police department. You're talking about you know not having enough resources to, to really give our, our police the firefighter that they need to, to fight all this, but how frustrating is it for them to to, yes, to get is. these people right. off the street and turn them over to the legal system only to have them right back out on the street again? Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna see what we can do. Everybody agrees law enforcement <clears throat> is he <is clears throat> they all get it. The sheriff's department <clears throat> works well with H P D that works well with the constables it works well with with HISD with all the with all the school districts, and uh, uh, they do that well. We as policymakers, we as leaders, need to simply direct them. We're going to go to neighborhoods where we're having big crime problems. Create a task force. Let's get in there and start cleaning some of these places up. Okay. Well, and as we said this morning, I wish we could somehow get people to understand that elections have consequences and some of the people that they're putting on the bench in Harris County are part of the problem in the way they've decided to interpretate, uh, interpret rather, um, who should be in jail and who should, shouldn't. Tom, thanks so much for joining right. me. I'll let you get back to your meeting. Thank, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Jimmy. Okay. Bye. Take care. That's Harris County Precinct 3 Commissioner Tom Ramsey. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Baird Show, AM 950 KPRC. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, everybody has a, has a screwed-up family. As my wife is fond of saying every now and again, family, it's the other F word. Uh-huh. And, um, you, you know, I don't care how good you are as a parent. I don't care how hard you try to raise your kids. I don't care how many rules you give them, although I remain one of those people who think we probably don't give our kids enough rules. 
I'm guessing. For I'll give you an example. You y'all remember Kellyanne Conway, right? Kellyanne Conway, former confidant to the president, married to George Conway, a never Trumper. That in and of itself was just kind of a weird thing during the Trump years to watch that whole thing go back and forth. Um, to her credit, she pretty much stuck with President Trump through his entire administration. And um, also to her credit, didn't um, <laughs> didn't separate from her husband over their obvious political differences. Um, and to her credit, and maybe to his credit, they both allowed each other to do what they do, even though they're clearly diametrically opposed to each other's position as related to the President of the United States. And then we've got the daughter. Um, 16-year-old Claudia Conway. And now Kellyanne Conway, accused of sharing a topless photograph of her underage teen daughter. But I think I can figure this one out. Having been the parent myself, I think I can figure this one out. Evidently, Kellyanne Conway's Twitter account appeared to post and then delete a topless photo of her 16-year-old daughter last night. The picture was shared on Kellyanne's fleets as a series of photos or videos that disappear after 24 hours instead of remaining on the Twitter user's timeline indefinitely, so they come up for 24 hours and they're gone. Prior to its deletion, Social media users screenshotted the post and then shared it again. Hang on a second. If you are taking a picture, a nude photo of somebody you know to be underage, doesn't that put you in some sort of um, legal hot water? I'm not even getting to mom yet. I'm, I'm just talking about people who saw it on her on her feed, uh, took a picture of it, and then shared it with others. Isn't that, wouldn't that get you in legal trouble? You would think it would. So that's that was happening. At least one user censored the image of Claudia before redistributing it. Um, in a TikTok video, good Lord, can we get off social media for a while? In a now-deleted TikTok video, Claudia herself responded to her, her mother's Twitter fleet story saying, quote, I'm assuming my mom took a picture of it to use against me one day and then somebody hacked her or something. Claudia asked followers on TikTok to report the original photo if they saw it. The picture posted on Kellyanne's fleets appears to be taken by one phone of a second phone screen. Claudia believes that Kellyanne took a photo of her topless selfie when her phone was confiscated. Okay, so... You know, if you just read the beginning of the story, you you get the mistaken imp impression here that that Kellyanne herself might have taken a a, a half naked photo of her daughter and then posted it. No, clearly not what happened. You may recall that uh, Claudia, who is a wild child, I'm sorry, I'm making that determination based on some of the stories I've seen about her and some of the some of the friction that she's had with her mother in particular. You know, uh, Claudia is a uh, is a certainly an outspoken young lady, 
um, certainly called out her mob repeatedly for her support of President Trump. Um, I don't know if she was siding with her dad on that one, or it was just one of those situations where she was just going the opposite direction of her mom, whatever the case. But I think it's pretty clear that Claudia took a nude selfie, at least a topless selfie of herself, for whatever reason. Just to have, maybe she likes the way she looks, maybe she's got a boyfriend, maybe some guy in her class dared her to do it. It is, it is amazing to me how often this happens. How many of these stories we hear of high school-aged young girls taking nude photographs of themselves to send to boys. And I'm not quite sure how to explain this. Now, listen, I, I remember... I remember myself as a 16-year-old boy, 17-year-old boy, 18-year-old boy. I am, I am quite certain at that point in my life when hormones overtook better judgment more often than not that I probably would have encouraged any good-looking young girl to send me a nude photograph of herself. But I can assure you none of them would have. Why do they do it now? Why do they do it now? What is going on in the world of, of, of teenage kids today that this is kind of a thing? You've got to know, even at the ripe old age of 16, that having a nude photograph of yourself on your phone can end up in the wrong hands. Now, in this particular case, I, I think what happened somehow what happened is whatever whatever photographs were feeding from her phone onto her fleet, that was one of them that got on by mistake. Clearly, no mother would ever do that on purpose. But I can't really tell you for sure what happened. <laughs> like I said, best of families. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the Conway household, generally speaking, before take politics out of the Conway household is probably a pretty normal household, right? Where you got a teen who doesn't think her parents know you don't know diddly, where you got, you know, a, a couple of parents who are not exactly on the same page, maybe, about rules and regulations, especially it relates to their child, and they're both very, very busy career people, and maybe uh, the sixteen year old is not supervised enough and look what happened. Look what happened. Quite, a, quite an amazing story, like I said. I, it, it, it's just amazing to me how often I hear these stories of teenagers who have, who have posed naked or near naked. Unreal. Any way you look at it. Okay, next hour. A couple of things coming up I want to tell you about. Tommy Schultz, 418, VP, CEO-elect of the American Federation of Children. We're going to talk a little bit. You know, in Chicago... The teachers' union there, they still don't want to go back to class. And we've got our kids, for the most part, in the classroom here in Texas. Um, why are they so? Are they really that afraid of COVID-19? And, and, and why are they so afraid? And what is it doing to those kids who probably need all the help they can get? 
and sleep expert Dr. Hal Stewart also coming up next hour, AM 950 KPRC. See you after Fox News. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. We've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where are you talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. All right, hour number two coming up. Like to all, all of my friends on Facebook, you can see what I got in my hand here, right? It's uh, it's a twenty dollar bill, nice crisp twenty. On the front of the twenty dollar bill is President Andrew Jackson, who they the left would like to cancel. He's on the cancel list. Um, they'd like to replace him with Harriet Tubman. Now this this conversation has come up before. In fact, when did it, uh, it came up, geez, more than four years ago now. And at the time, Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, basically said, well, we, you know, I, I think this is a, it, as much a delaying tactic as it was anything else. Basically said, yeah, well, the, the 20 is up for redesign so that we can make it more uh, counterfeit proof. So we're gonna need to we're gonna need to work on that before we can you know you know do any of that kind of stuff. The twenty has been redesigned over the years. The twenty is is uh, certainly different than it used to be. Who's on the back? Oh, the White House is on the back of the. Uh, you know, you, I guess it's true. You know, you never you never really pay much attention to the back of the bill. I think maybe the one dollar bill, you might pay with the all-seeing eye. You might you might have uh, paid more attention to the the one dollar bill than to the twenty dollar bill. You know the five dollar bill, of course. Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial is on the back side of the bill. There's been a lot of talk about who should be in our currency and who shouldn't. Like I said, Andrew Jackson is a big part of the cancel culture right now. They would like to eliminate him. I think the fact that he was maybe the president that uh, President Trump most identified with, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's part of fueling it too. I do not have an issue with honoring Harriet Tubman. Far from it. Far from it. I just wonder, where is the best place to put Harriet Tubman? You know, there, there are plenty of other bills that are out there. The problem is is that they're not going to be happy with one that is a low circulation bill. Nobody, nobody's going to suggest changing the $2 bill. I can't even remember. The, I can't even tell you the last time I saw a $2 bill. Um, you know, we've tried. What's that you say, Garrett? I have one in my wallet right now. You have what in your wallet? A $2, a $2 bill? bill? Really? How long have you had it? Years. It's, I just keep it around as a novelty. <laughs> That's what I thought. It was like the only $2 bill you ever saw? Yeah, my aunt gave me like five as a birthday gift one time. Yeah. Do you have like a, um, 
who was who's on the um was it Sacagawea that we put on the one dollar coin or was it was it Pocahontas? I can't remember. That sounds right. Sacagawea. Which one? Sacagawea? That didn't work out so well, right? I think you're they, right. They, they produced those and then we got everybody went, I don't want I don't want coins. I'm trying to get rid of coins. I stick all my coins in a jar. I don't want any coins. So I don't think that worked out real well either. So here's the question. If if coins don't work and you want to honor Harriet Tubman on currency. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And coins don't work, then let's take the coins out of that. Um... Whether you want to talk about silver dollars or whatever. We, do we even produce silver dollars anymore? I don't think we do. Um, we've got the $1 bill with Washington. He's a founding father. I know founding fathers are not really in fashion, but I'm not inclined to, uh, to replace them. Um, you've got the five. I'm not going to count the $2 bill. You never see them. The $5 bill, Abraham Lincoln. And even though Abraham Lincoln supposedly was not woke enough, um, the only thing I could think of to do would be to put Harry Tubman on the back of the five dollar bill instead of the white or instead of the Lincoln Memorial. But I think we can probably agree that the back of a bill would that be like like the back of the bus? I mean, kind of kind of the same thing, right? It doesn't get the same, certainly does not get the same attention. Um, you've got the ten dollar bill, Alexander Hamilton. Somebody told me today they thought the musical ruined the idea of getting rid of Alexander Hamilton, that he had a resurgence with the, with the, with the musical. <laughs> so, so now nobody wants to get rid of him. You got the $20 bill with Andrew Jackson. Um, you've got the 50. Who's on the 50? Hang on, I got to look it up. Tells you how many 50s I have that I can't tell you right off the top of my head who's on the 50. Who... He is on $50 bill. Um, who's it on the, the seat? Is it, who's on the, Grant, is it Grant that's on the 50? Or is Grant on the 100? I can never remember. But I think it might be that the that, uh, U.S. $50 bill, uh, it is Grant. Grant's on the 50. Okay. Well, you know, he is one of those, you know, presidents who 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 who's best known. I mean, as a president, he really wasn't. A, he was kind of involved in controversy. He was president from 1869 to 1877. That was still not a very good time as far as race relations in U.S. history. Um, probably, you know, some of the southern states might not object to getting rid of Ulysses S. Grant because probably his great claim to fame was, of course, was his ability. To, to, to win the Civil War for the North. So there's a possibility. Why not put her on the 50? I'd be okay trading Grant for Terry Tubman. Um, you got Ben Franklin's on the $100 bill. I don't think we'd get rid of him. And then anything above and beyond those bills, you never, ever see them, even though they exist. 
So I think the only thing up for play is a 50. $50 bill. Would you be all right with putting Harriet Tubman on the 50 and leaving Andrew Jackson on the 20? Or should we just leave everything the way it is and say to ourselves, okay, this is not the direction we're going in. Currency is a temporary thing. And I do believe that. You know, we've been talking for more than 10 years about a cashless society. I really think we're headed in that direction. Bitcoin has proven that to me. Can we put her on Bitcoin? <laughs> that's international, though. That's not, you know, that's not American currency. Don't know that we could necessarily pull that one off. Hmm. I guess I don't have a perfect answer. Maybe this is the reason why uh, uh, then-Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin punted on this. There is no perfect answer for this. Other than the fact that... Um, they're, they're trying to get honored, and they want to figure out how to do it. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Put her on a really big denomination, and then give me a whole bunch of those. I will, I will proudly carry that in my wallet. The bigger the denomination, the better for Harriet Tubman. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Baird Show, AM 950 KPRC. We don't really have this problem right now in Texas. Like they have in Chicago, where the uh, the teachers' union has basically said, no, we, we, we don't want to go back to school. COVID-19 is not safe. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to, we, we don't want to teach the kids. You know, if, if we can't be done virtually, it can't be done. And, and certainly we've seen in a lot of major cities, and Houston was one of those cities, where they waited quite a while before they finally opened the schools back up. They are back open again. Nobody is threatened to shut back down. Then again, the election is over. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and the narrative on COVID is starting to change. At least that's the feeling I get. Uh, Join us to talk about schools and COVID and school choice and a lot of other things. Tommy Schultz, VP, CEO, elect of the American Federation of Children. They're 501C. And your big thing is school choice, right, Tommy? That's right. We are the nation's largest school choice advocacy organization. Are you still are you still connected with the DeVos family? Is Betsy DeVos still involved with your organization? Uh, she was our founder and chairwoman, but then uh, obviously after she became Secretary of Education, she stepped back from her uh, role with us. So we're hopeful that she brings a whole new level of energy and focus into the movement going forward here because we've got, as you mentioned at the front end, I mean, some pretty critical problems that I think so many millions more parents are getting exposed to this year, which is not just the virus of the uh, of COVID, but the virus of what the teachers' union political operation is and how it's ruining our schools, how they're refusing to open up schools despite the science and despite even getting to the front of the line of vaccinations. Um, the teachers' unions want to use this uh, and any crisis for political leverage, and I think millions of families are finally starting to see this. Well, here's the other thing I think a lot of families are seeing, uh, the ones who are paying attention anyway. While their kids were learning virtually, they got a little glimpse into the classroom, didn't they? They got a chance to see where some of these teachers are coming from and, and what some of the things, some of the curriculum that they're teaching the kids that maybe they weren't paying that much attention to. Oh, I mean, we the, over the past year, we've just had this influx, this absolutely just insurmountable level of inbound of parents either emailing, calling us, saying, I did not know what was going on in my children's school. How do I get out? Are there programs that I can access? So the phones have been ringing off the hook for 
um, I would say at least nine months, almost a year to where families are finally going, gosh, I mean, we didn't realize what was going on in our school. We didn't realize the the politics that are being forced upon them. I mean, for a host of reasons, we've always said, look, families should have the freedom to choose the best education for their son or daughter, regardless of income. And we especially want this to be um, accessed for lower and middle income families because they are typically the ones that don't have the the means to just simply move to a better district or move to uh, a private school, right? So we felt that they've always been getting the short end of the stick. And now millions of families are starting to realize, gosh, yes, I need school choice. I need options. And that's why in our poll, we saw over the past year, a 10 point jump in schools in school support from public school parents. It went from 67% support school choice policies to 77%. Really incredible change. And that's really due to the notion that you brought up that, look, families are, they're getting a look under the hood of the education system, uh, not only in terms of just curriculum, but the politics of the, of what the teachers are willing to do to essentially orchestrate a nationwide strike uh, for more than a year. And it's just tragic. Well, and here's the other part of it. You know, um, not only has it been difficult to get the kids in school, um, we've also, I think, pretty much proven that, at least for most kids, the virtual learning experience has been inferior. They have fallen behind. So it's not just the mm-hmm. curriculum. In some cases, they're being taught. They're, they're falling behind. And I even here where we are here in Texas, and I think I happen to think we do it better than most, um, I don't see a lot of plans... Uh, in the works for school systems to add additional time to the school calendar or to do some other things to help these kids catch up. Well, and look at, let me just give you an example of what's going on, you know, in, in a market-based system, which is within private schools. Uh, So you take a look at the data from the fall, 62% of public school students nationwide were 100% virtual compared to just 5% of private school students being 100% virtual. 60% 60% of private schools were open and operating for in-person learning in the fall. And so it really just goes to show you the politics of the system. And like you said, not only, they, I mean, not only are they not figuring out ways to just get students caught up, I mean, they're actively and deliberately refusing to reopen the schools. And they're saying, like Chicago and uh, Illinois, Nevada, you know, New York, so many of these uh, teachers unions are orchestrating these systems such that they don't even want to go back to the classroom until they get more political demands They, you know, L.A. Teachers Union over the course of the past year is pushing, you know, more pension contributions and outlaw charter schools. It's like they're actively trying to not only get more money to not teach and then to also ban options for families. I mean, they are just the most cancerous political unit within this country, the most sinister, frankly, because they're really just playing political hostage with our children. And it's just flat out wrong. Well, they're all going to fight it because, you know, given the choice. Plenty of parents would opt for a private education or an alternative choice, and that means that means a loss of tax dollars to public schools. Can everybody coexist with each other? Is there a model where that works? Of course. Uh, Florida is probably the shining example of this, where uh, you know they have this absolutely robust system of school choice. You look at uh, Miami-Dade, which is, the I believe, the third largest school district in the entire country, of the kids do not go to their, uh, basically their government assigned school. I mean, just think about how incredible that is. Whereas in most places in the country, it's 70, 80% are going to a government assigned, you know, district assigned school. And so they've flipped the script that 
Uh, and they've shown that for you know almost a decade and going back to when Jeb Bush initially instituted many of these reforms, that all of these schools, when you're able to create a, a thriving marketplace of all different types of schools, all meeting the individual needs of kids, that they're able to thrive and that parents are happier. Parents are choosing a school. They're feeling bought into their children's education, regardless of their income. And I mean, they've just been creeping up from the bottom of the heap to the very top of the heap in terms of test scores and outcomes, especially when it comes to improving the situation for lower income families. And we need a whole lot more Floridas out there because they've shown that, look, a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, And they've also shown us that, I mean, let me paint a picture of how bad things are across the country right now. Um, An education nonprofit called Bellwether released a report this past fall showing that three million students across the country did not receive a single day of learning since the beginning of the pandemic, both virtually or in person. So 3 million kids, that is the approximate size of the entire K through 12 population of Florida. And so to me, I look at that saying, gosh, like you uh, said a bit earlier, we have to get those students caught up. We have to get them into some sort of school choice program because clearly the unions across the country are willing to just hit the nuclear button every single time to get their political uh, agenda through a pandemic or otherwise. And I think so many millions of families have to get the education of their choice. Otherwise, we're going to be haunted by this for decades. And we might be needing to think about building prison infrastructure because a whole generation, you might call it the COVID generation, they are just being left behind due to the whims of the, you know, the political interests of the K through 12 establishment. All right. Hey, good to talk to you, Tommy. Wish I had more time. Appreciate it, though. Uh, that is Tommy Schultz, Vice President, CEO-elect of the American Federation of Children, joining us here on AM 950 KPRSA. I wonder, I wonder what the retention rate is, too, for teachers, because so many teachers in the public school system are just leaving. I wonder if the retention level is a lot better in the private and charter school areas. Back with more in a moment, Jimmy Barrett Show. A little help for those of you who can't sleep here on AM 950 KPRC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, 433 time here on AM 950 KPRC. All right. I don't know how many stories I've seen about people losing sleep. Um, for whatever reason, anxiety, I think, is probably one of the top reasons. I know that's the one thing that will keep me up. If, if, and I don't get anxious very often, but if I get anxious about whatever, that's the one thing that I won't even be tired. And I'm sure I'm far from alone. I'm guessing that's probably one of the top causes. But we, we hear that people are losing sleep left and right. Now, I don't normally have a bad night's sleep. Last night wasn't so good. But most nights are, are very, very good. 
But hey, let's bring out a sleep expert. Dr. Hal Stewart joins us. He works with people with sleep disorders all the time. Um, how did you sleep last night? Last night I slept great, and uh, I'm an early bird. So um, they say the early bird gets the worm. I get the early bird. So I'm usually <laughs> I'm usually up at four, but but I'm in bed by nine. And okay, uh, I'll I'll do you one better. I get up at two twenty in the morning. <laughs> what and, time do you go I, to bed? So my early bird just ate your early bird. I go to bed. <laughs> I try to, I try to go to bed around seven, seven thirty, somewhere in that range. Okay, all right, good. Yeah, That's good. And then I will. You know, uh, I, uh, go ahead. The, the uh, studies have shown, and this is not just. Um, I mean, these are this is like significant studies have shown that uh, all other things being equal. If you get over your cumulative period of time, if you're sleeping less than six hours a night, um, your chances of getting some form of cancer double um, just across the board. So that's that in and of itself is how important sleep is, and not not just the amount of sleep, but the quality too. But now, you don't have you to have tell, eight or nine hours. Six, six, yeah. seven's fine, but it needs to be good quality sleep. Well, as you can tell, that it's right on the border of the six hours. I take a one-hour nap usually every mm -hmm. day. Does that does that count for anything or not? Well, a, a nap during the day usually means that you're not getting the restful. You know, you might be sleeping all night, but you're you might not be getting quite enough, or you might your sleep sleep cycle might be a little bit off because okay. normally you shouldn't have to nap during the day on a regular basis i'd nap every now and then is you know that's that's I, I love to take a nap on a sunday afternoon when it's raining outside <laughs> but oh yeah um having to do it on a regular basis is an indication that your sleep uh, your, your sleep at night is not uh, what it should be where where are most of us making a mistake take take me through dr stewart take me take me through your sleep routine take me i'm, I'm sure that you you know we, we we've heard all the stories about don't have don't have the tv on don't have a bunch of devices going stay off your yeah. cell phone for a while before you go to bed you know so you're ready to ra relax and to go to sleep what's your routine like what do you do my routine is no caffeine or if I just have to have a cup of coffee, I'll do uh, half a cup of decaf. But even that's got caffeine in it. So by and large, no caffeine for two hours before I sleep, go to sleep. No alcohol for three hours before I go to sleep. And a dark room that's, I'm talking as dark as you can make it, and a temperature at 65 degrees Woo. with a nice white background noise. Um, and not a television <laughs> background noise, but white noise, which would just constitute maybe a fan or something like that blowing, um, okay. and a regular routine. Uh, those things in and of themselves will help immensely. And then, like you said, the screens, the television screens, the computer screens, the iPhone or cellular phone screens, there's a gland inside your brain called the pineal gland, and that gland can sense when it's still light outside. 400 years ago, you know, when the sun set, you know, maybe you uh, lit up your house with candles, but it was a very low yellow light. Um, and the pineal gland knew that it was sunset and started secreting 
a natural bodily uh, hormone called melatonin, which people are familiar with. It's a sleep aid, um, but started producing that around sundown. And we're on, and then it peaked, you know, at around midnight of one, and then it faded off towards the end of the uh, night in the morning, and you woke up refreshed and, um, you know, they uh, had a good night's sleep. Now we're fooling our pineal gland to think that at 11 o'clock at night, it's still broad daylight outside because we're watching television or on a, on a blue, you know, a blue screen, what I call a blue screen, a television, a computer, an iPad. So the pineal gland thinks, oh, hmm, wow, long day. It's still light outside. I'm not going to produce my melatonin until it gets dark. And that's when the lights go out and you go to bed. Well, if that's at 11 or 12 and you've been watching television, the pineal gland starts its maximum secretion of melatonin, melatonin through your body, about the time you're going to be waking up. And that's why so many people wake up in a, in a brain fog because they're, they've got their melatonin distribution is, is way off in their body. So the, the last thing that I would tell your listeners is to cut out the TV screens or you can buy yellow glasses uh, over at Amazon that cut out, that filter the blue light out, at the very least, do that. And that will allow the pineal gland to do what it's supposed to do. Okay. Here's here's one. My, my wife is one of these people. My mother-in-law is one of these people. I, upon very, very, very rare occasion, am one of these people. But I'm sure you've had people tell you all the time, you know, I go to bed and, and, and I try to relax but my brain keeps t wanting to talk to me about all the things I have to do and all the things I didn't get done and all the things I have to do tomorrow, and I can't shut it off. Right. Yeah, yeah. That You know, that's something that when we're dealing there, we're not dealing with something. Uh, we're, doing, do, we're dealing with something on the, on the more of the psychology, psychiatry side. Not that people are crazy, but that's something that meditation is – incredibly good for and and you don't have to meditate for two hours there are so many good apps for meditation out there if you just start with one minute before you go to bed and then do that for a few days and then increase it to two minutes and before you know it you'll be meditation and that that takes a routine like anything else if you want to read a book you get in the habit of reading for five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day but do it every day. I think meditation is the best form, and anybody can stop thinking about what they need to think about, what, what what's going through their mind for one minute. That then can turn into two minutes and into three minutes. I'm all about starting slow. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You don't okay. have to start sleeping good tonight. It'd be great, but set your goal that by the end of this month, you're going to be sleeping better. By the end of February you're going to be sleeping great. And that's the probably one of the very best things you can do for your health is good quality sleep. Um, I mentioned anxiety, and that, I think that's one of the things that a lot of folks are dealing with right now. Uh, some of it's related to, to COVID. They're just anxious about all the things having to do with COVID-19. They're anxious about their jobs. Uh, yeah. They're anxious about their kids in school. I mean, there's plenty of things to be anxious about right now. Right. So, is is, is meditation your cure for anxiety, or do you have some other techniques for that? Well, exercise, exercise, and, and meditation, definitely. Diet is huge as well. It's so easy during these times when you know we're, 
that you know people are on the verge of losing jobs and they're you know it seems like their world is falling apart and they don't take care of themselves and then their anxiety levels go up when you don't sleep well you kind of live you know you think of someone who hasn't slept in two or three days do you think of someone laid back and easy going or do you think of someone like everything's kind of on their last nerves that's what happens when you don't sleep well night after night after night now the anxiety even affects you more and your threshold level goes down so you you know you people that tend to do that they quit exercising and they eat quickly something that they can pick up on the way home you know burger king or mcdonald's and it's just a vicious vicious cycle so exercise and again i want to emphasize to your listeners it's not about going and you know working out two hours at the gym and then going and running for you know five miles starting today it's about take a walk around the block you know cut out dessert maybe tonight cut out that cup of coffee just start somewhere and get yourself to where you're exercising on a regular basis 30 to 45 minutes of moderate exercise is all you need eating healthy and following those tips that I gave you earlier about uh, sleep hygiene and then uh, make part of your sleep hygiene five minutes of meditation. Okay. Would you include sex as far as exercise? Yeah, heck yes. Okay. Would you write me a, pres- <laughs> would you write me a prescription for that? I'd appreciate it if you would. I'd, I can... Here, honey, I got, I got a note from the doctor. <laughs> we got Thank- We got it. <laughs> You don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Where do we go to fulfill that subscription? Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. I appreciate it. Get a great night's sleep, and I'll try to do the same. Okay, buddy. You too. Take care. You guys. Right. That's Dr. Hal Stewart joining us here on AM 950 KPRC and the Jimmy Barrett Show. Back with more in a moment. All right. Last segment coming up here. Y'all, we were talking earlier about... Um, 46 making a pledge to replace every single government vehicle, 665,000, I think it is, and make them all electric. Well, George, um, one of our listeners watching on Facebook, broke it down even further. He says there's 173,000 military vehicles. Now think about, first of all, how would you generate enough, well, maybe you can generate enough power to power a tank electrically but i can't imagine that you could create a battery big enough to have that thing last very long where are you going to charge up in the desert with a tank the postal service has 225,000 vehicles where where in the world are you going to get enough energy in one charge for a for a postal truck to be out there all day long running its route. It's not practical. It's just not practical. To me, that's just common sense. But to to the green crowd, it's not about whether or not it's feasible. It's not about whether or not it, it makes logistical sense. It's just, well, that's what we want. That's what we want. So make it happen. Well... Right now, we don't have the capability to make that happen. Hey, this is the first time I've heard this. We have a major drug maker scrapping its COVID-19 vaccine plans after poor results in early-stage testing. You know, we already have the AstraZeneca, 
Uh, we already have Pfizer. Merck says they're giving up on two potential vaccines. Instead, they're going to focus on developing possible treatments for the virus. Merck kind of get into the game late. Um, Pfizer, Moderna, they had already done their thing. Um, and maybe that's fine. I don't know how many successful vaccines we have to we have to have at this point, but uh, evidently Merck is not going to have one of them. And here's the story. I I, I love emotional support animal stories because I my my thoughts on animals have certainly evolved over the years. I have become much more sensitive to animals and what they can do for us as humans, in particular dogs. It's because I was not a dog owner for a long, long time. I really didn't get it until I got the dog I have. He and I are pals. We're buddies. You know, we hang out together. He calms me. I calm him. (laughs) It's a great relationship. But I'd be the first to say, and I understand why people love, love their pets. I understand why they feel like they're part of the family. That's fine. But... The thing I'd never really understood about the whole emotional support animal thing is people wanting to take some of the most bizarre emotional support animals on board planes. Ponies. You Come on, you've seen pictures of that, right? An emotional support pony. Had his own seat on the plane. Didn't look very comfortable standing there the entire time. He was cool about it. But if you're if a member of the flying public, do you want to share a cabin with a pony? Because when a pony's got to go, a pony's got to go. Monkeys, I don't think it's practical. Rodents, snakes. No, there's a, there's a movie about snakes on the plane. I don't think we need to do that in real life. And there are more than, more than a few people out there more than happy to abuse the emotional support animal policy. You know, they get they get the little vest thing. You know, the animal may not have any more ability to be emotional support animal than than the than a rat on the street. But you you slap a little you slap a little placard on them, and, uh, and all of a sudden, oh, this is my emotional support animal. I'm bringing it on board the plane. Well, airlines. Airlines were real chickens about this, and you know, I gotta I gotta call out our friends at Southwest Airlines because they're among the last of the major airlines to finally officially ban any support animal from its aircraft cabin that doesn't come under the category of dog. Their new policy goes into effect March first. Southwest will accept only trained service dogs for travel and will no longer transport emotional support animals. You want to bring... And here's the other thing. People, people were scamming like crazy. They would, they would designate even a dog as an emotional support animal so they could bring them on without paying for them. They, didn't want, they wanted to have them in the cabin. They didn't want to have them anywhere else, and they didn't want to have to pay for them. So they all of a sudden they were an emotional support animal. Come on, you know that as well as I do. So Southwest will accept only trained service dogs for travel and no longer any emotional support animals. 
Here's what they said, and this is where I have to call them out. They said, and I quote, We applaud the Department of Transportation's recent ruling that allows us to make these important changes to address numerous concerns raised by the public and airline employees regarding the transport of untrained animals in the cabins of aircraft. Southwest Airlines continues to support the ability of qualified individuals with a disability to bring trained service dogs for travel and remains committed to providing a positive and accessible travel experience for all of our customers with disabilities. Now, maybe they were worried about getting sued. Maybe that's what they were worried about. But none of these airlines should have ever been in a position where they're allowing ponies, roosters, aardvarks, raccoons, anything other than a trained service animal on board the airplane. They are private companies. They, granted, they are regulated by the Department of Transportation. Clearly, they feel the DOT has made it easier for them to do something maybe they wanted to do. I always felt that they would have done it a long, long time ago or could have done it a long, long time ago on their own. But they wanted the Department of Transportation to do it for them. They wanted the government to make a rule so they didn't have to say to their customers, no, we don't allow that. They wanted to say to their customers, the government will not allow us to do that. And those are two very different things. But the DOT has now decided emotional support animals are not service animals, and therefore that's where the, how the ruling has changed. So for those of you who haven't flown in a while, and because of COVID, maybe you haven't, and maybe you've taken on board a family pet as an emotional support animal, I have anxiety, I'm afraid to fly. They aren't going to let you do that anymore unless you are have a legitimate handicap, a legitimate disability, and you need a service, a trained service dog for that, you're going to be out of luck. You're going to have to pay like everybody else to bring them on board. That's just the way it is. I don't blame them for that. You know, if you are so nervous, if you're that nervous a flyer, there are other ways, unless you're going overseas, there's other ways to get there that do not involve a plane. All right. Have a great evening. I'll see you tomorrow morning, Burton early at 5 a.m. Sure is on vacation the rest of this week. Cliff is in for her. I'll see you at 5 a.m. And then I will see you this afternoon. Make that tomorrow afternoon at 3 a.m. 950 KPRC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.